Welcome to Living Fully, a Calgary Counseling Center podcast. Each episode, we'll bring you insights from our expert counselors and tips and strategies to improve your mental well-being. I'm your host, Katherine Hertig. Calgary Counseling Center and Counseling Alberta provide effective counseling for anyone in Alberta with no wait list and no financial barriers. Find us online at calgarycounseling.com or counselingalberta.com. On this episode, I talk with Amy Ramler, registered psychologist, about the stress that can come with the holiday season and the different ways we can manage that stress. We'll cover the expectations around having a perfect holiday, what to do when you feel like you can't get the right gift, and how to set boundaries with family. I'm excited to be here with Amy Ramler, and the holidays are right around the corner, and so we're going to be talking about holiday stress. Thank you so much for being here with me, Amy. (laughs) Thank you for having me here. The holiday season, obviously, it can be a good time. It can be really joyful, but, you know, there is a lot of stress that surrounds it as well. So, I mean, from your experience as a counselor, what are some some common stressors that people can face during this time? Yeah, there are many, and I come up with kind of four themes or grouped some of these things into four different themes. And the first one, time pressures or like the lack of time it's such a busy season and right. a lot of people come in really feeling crunched like and not really knowing how to spend their time and feeling really spread thin financial pressures is the second one different kinds of financial pressures too with gifts of course many dinner invites hosting yeah, travel sometimes. so lots of different financial pressures giving gifts um, is another pressure like getting the perfect gift right. or not being able to get the thing that you want who to choose to give gifts to and and sometimes there's like a feeling of obligation of you have yeah. to give gifts but you really don't want to or you can't financially give gifts and then the last one is kind of crosses they all kind of cross over a bit but this one family and friend gatherings those can create a lot of boundary issues and bring yeah. up a lot of past maybe traumatic experiences but even the joyful things are risky to some people and, and then on the flip side of that kind of a major part of that is also like the loneliness and isolation right can kind of come if there are no family gatherings or friend gatherings available yeah. or if you are going to many things and still feel lonely that can be really confusing and yeah of course like blended families and grief family tension those kinds of things showing yeah up. it brings yeah. up a lot of feelings Yes. Yes. Many, many feelings and it can be really confusing. Yeah. I found like in my time talking to counselors, the idea of expectations comes up a lot when it comes to the holidays. Like, you know, you're expected to, you know, feel a certain way. You're, you know, expected to, you know, want to see family and friends, expectation of giving gifts or getting gifts, you know, and I think that's where a lot of issues might arise. Do you agree? Yes, definitely. And I think like managing expectations is like a major part of managing stress yeah. over the holidays for sure. Yeah, you brought up the idea of family. So every family looks and feels different. Well, a lot of people love their family and, and it's great to hang out, but there's definitely those families that there's a lot of tension. You know, if if that's the case, if getting together with family creates stress, what strategies do you think people can use to kind of navigate that difficult family dynamic? 
Uh, a lot of what I'm going to talk about in all of what we talk about today is about boundaries. And right. so I'm just going to keep coming back quite a bit to boundaries, but there's many different components of actually what does that mean to be able to set a boundary? And so some of these strategies that I'll talk about here are part of setting boundaries, but not the full picture of being able to set boundaries. So the very first thing is being able to focus on choices that you have in situations with your family. And sometimes, it again, those obligations and those expectations can feel really heavy. Mm-hmm. But when you really know your own personal values, then it becomes easier to choose the thing that maybe might not be traditional. Yeah. But, still, but it ends up, you can make it okay for yourself. Or you might end up doing the thing that you feel obligated to do, but there's a way to reframe it like as something you value, like that you're doing it for your own personal reasons, even though it's something you really like. Part of that too is then being able to like tolerate the discomfort that comes in maybe doing some things that you feel obligated to, but that are still in line with your values that you do genuinely want to do in some way, but that needs some toleration of frustration or tolerating maybe others' emotions and tolerating discomfort. How do you like you know, whether it's with your clients or, or just our listeners, like, what do you recommend to do to kind of work on that? That What did you call it? Um, toleration for discomfort? Yeah. Tolerating yeah. discomfort. This would be something that I definitely recommend coming into counseling for, because that can be a big one if you're not sure how to deal with anxiety or these big emotions or grief or anger. That's definitely a, a counseling goal. But in general, to be able to, if there's a feeling that's there, to be able to identify that feeling and then not act on it. So kind of letting that feeling be there. If I'm feeling really anxious, Mm -hmm. I might be able to feel my heart racing, my palms are sweaty, and I can acknowledge that's there for 30 seconds. I can just let that be there, trying to move away from what I'm thinking, but just really be with my body and then move into, okay, now what needs to be done? I give myself 30 seconds to just be with that. And then I'm kind of teaching myself that I'm safe. It's like, I'm safe to actually have this feeling. Yeah. And now I can go do the next thing and not sitting with it for too long because then that can kind of spiral as well but but giving yourself permission to feel those feelings is a good way to develop tolerance I want to dive deep into that a little more because I've heard that a bit but I guess it's hard for me to like really wrap my head around that of like having like an uncomfortable feeling but like you said kind of sitting with it and accepting it and not trying to resist it or feel shame about it. Do you know what I mean? No, there might be shame about it because it is, that's a feeling. Yeah. So, yeah. And so I, I like to explain it kind of like you, you are a spotlight, you have attention and you can put that spotlight of attention anywhere. You yeah. can put it on your thoughts. You could put it on a sound outside of this room. You could put it on my voice. You could put it on the feeling of your feet in your shoes right now. Okay. Yeah. Like you can really shift where your attention goes. Yeah. And so one of the places that you can shift your attention away from is away from your thoughts and just keep coming back to feeling something happening in your body. Like right now I'm aware of my hands. Yeah. And I can be partially aware of my hands even as I'm talking. And so that kind of lets me be more present to the feeling that's there. I don't have to change anything. Right. It's usually that fight of like, I don't want to feel this or I shouldn't be feeling this. Mm -hmm. That really ends up amplifying feelings or creating shame. Yeah. And I guess when I, yeah, when I said shame, maybe that wasn't the right word. Like I like what you said about like, I shouldn't be feeling this. Mm -hmm. I like that totally resonates. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're uncomfortable in a situation, 
it just feels like, yeah, I shouldn't be feeling this. And it's, so it's about acceptance. It's like, instead it's like, Oh, I label that right away. If there's a, I shouldn't be feeling this. It's like, that's a negative critic kind of telling you how things are, Yeah, but they're not like that. Right. So, so it's like, we can kind of set in the coming back to boundaries again, we can kind of set a boundary with that part of us and not listen to that part of us. Yeah. And then come back to, it's okay to be feeling this. There's, this is normal to be feeling this. So uh, getting into boundaries a bit more, how do we set those with family members that might bring up these uncomfortable feelings? So I'll go kind of quickly through an, a few things that are important to be able to set boundaries, like knowing what you value is the very first thing. If you don't know what you value, how do you know what to say yes or no to? Right. Really accepting what you value and making it like, okay, that yes, I value this, even though my family values something else and working on accepting that and even just framing it as my family values this and I value that. Yeah. Like what a lot of people probably talk about around the, around the dinner table now, like different political views and mm-hmm. and things like that, I'm sure. Like, would that be an example? Yeah, you well, could set even a like somebody deciding to talk about political views at the, at the dinner table, to be able to frame that as like, oh, they really value politics and they might value this type of politics or this party. Right. And that that's not, that doesn't, I don't have to frame that as an attack on me or a challenge to me. It can just be like, and I don't value politics politics as much and that's okay yeah they really do and I don't I don't agree with what they're saying either or maybe I even agree with what they're saying but I don't have I don't have to agree or disagree I can just make it about they value this and I value this that's a great way to frame it that I wish more people would take into consideration and often there are actually shared values happening of family is a very common one that that there's shared values. So if somebody's talking about politics at the table and one of your values is family, and that's why you've kind of chosen to be there because it's important to you to be with family, then your focus can be on, I'm so glad I can spend time with my family, with them being able to passionately share what they value. Yeah, There's often shared values, but they're hard to see when emotions get high. For sure. And, and when we're not thinking about it as values. I love that. (laughs) And it's not about, it's kind of coming off of any judgment of right or wrong. It's just like different. Yeah. Yeah. Boundaries is is like, it's something that I struggle with, like expressing them in the right way. Like I I remember I was at a family event recently and someone said something that really bothered me and I just ruminated on it after thinking like, how could I have expressed that I wasn't okay with that, but still being really respectful of them. And so it's Mm -hmm. like this internal struggles, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, in other parts of kind of going through other things that are important to be able to set boundaries are, can you recognize when a boundary is being pushed? Yeah. Because if we can't recognize when somebody's pushing our boundaries, we don't actually know that, oh, I got to set a boundary here. I should have set right. a boundary sooner. Or yeah. I could have set a boundary sooner. And then also having the appropriate word, which is what you're talking about, is like, how could you possibly know what to say if it's never been modeled to you or taught to you? And that's definitely something that coming to counseling can can help with is like, what words do I use? I I don't know how to talk about this. Sometimes I'll kind of joke, but it's very true that sometimes people know how to set boundaries from when they were five years old and they've continued to use (laughs) the same words and the same strategies from when they were younger. And it worked at that time. Yeah, but not so much now. No, and and it gets them into trouble. Or the way that they set boundaries at work is also how they set boundaries with their partner. And that gets them into a different kind of trouble. So it's really important 
important to have yeah. a variety of ways to say no and a variety of ways to say yes. Because every time you say no, you're also saying yes to That's something true. else. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, and I guess the last part that you're kind of also referencing there, the last part that's really important to be able to set boundaries is knowing how to deal with the negative reaction, whether that's from somebody right. else or in yourself. Like you just described that kind of rumination that comes up of like, oh, like what just happened there? Yeah. And, and kind of not being like not being able to pivot away from it. Or, right. Like that would be a type of boundary, like setting a boundary with yourself of like, no, nope, I'm done here. I don't need to think about this anymore. Or yeah, setting a, a boundary with somebody else's disappointment. The most common thing that I think comes up is this right here. People don't set boundaries in the first place because they're scared of disappointing people. Totally. And yeah. And then they just don't set the boundary and they have a lot of fear about what it would be like to set a boundary. So really what we're learning to manage is anxiety, learning to manage the anxiety so that it doesn't become, so it's like, oh, I, can, I know I can handle my own disappointment. I, can, I know I can handle my own anxiety if somebody else is disappointed, like it's, I'll, I'll be able to figure this out. Right. Yeah. I got to get you on again and we've got to do a, a whole episode just on boundaries. <laughs> yeah. So kind of tying in you know, family and that idea that we talked about, uh, about expectations. If you're in a relationship with someone, they've got their past and their family and you've got yours. And sometimes those, you know, holiday traditions, they don't mesh. They kind of clash. I'm really lucky. I, so I grew up, um, you know, celebrating Christmas and my husband is Jewish. So they grew up celebrating Hanukkah and they rarely overlap. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm lucky in that way that we can both have our, you know, important celebrations, mm -hmm. but that's, you know, not the case for, for many families. So how would you suggest people kind of communicate, you know, their needs and, and preferences and, and things like that around their traditions that they find important? One of the things would be to definitely communicate your expectations or your and your plan for your holidays and yeah. to each other like if you're talking about a couple kind of trying to join traditions or to other family members yeah and also yeah setting like time boundaries can be helpful and being able to be flexible like develop flexibility yeah. and like it can't look like this this year so what could it look like develop right. flexibility and either joining some traditions or being willing to be flexible in the day and the time that certain events happen some Sometimes one of the solutions to like the time restrictions that is one of the most common stressors around Christmas is planning things after Christmas. I know that's what we did in my family. After a big change in my family, we ended up shifting one of our major events to quite far after Christmas. Yeah. And that was very helpful. It so probably that we could all yeah, be together. That takes yeah. the pressure off a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And, and, and keeps us all together still for these really important gatherings. And then, or before, but before is often a lot busier. December's busier than middle of January usually. So, yeah. But that flexibility is definitely something thing that can be developed. And that's, that's probably huge in each of those, those points that you mentioned in the beginning is that idea of flexibility. I think we all have this idea of like the perfect holiday. And if we can't, you know, change our mindset around that, if we can't think that other options mm -hmm. are acceptable, then, you know, we're probably gonna not have a good time. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, those conversations are hard. And if we can come back to values and it's like, and if you're again, talking about just two people in a partnership, trying to figure out what they're going to do because they have conflicting events. Yeah. If you come back to values and what's most important, then the decisions can become a little bit easier so that both people's values are reflected in the choices of the events right. that, are, that are made. So yeah, that ties well into my next question. So, I mean, a lot of people feel that pressure to have a perfect holiday and I'm, I'm definitely, you know, I can be guilty 
idea that I, I have memories of, of really good holidays when I was a kid and I just, you know, want to recreate that feeling or, you know, and you get sucked into what you see in movies and, and, mm-hmm. you know, and in advertisements around that time, like you want it to look and feel a certain way. Let's, yeah, let's talk about how we can kind of manage these, these expectations and, mm-hmm. and feelings around that. Yeah. And I guess I would give a little bit of a warning to that collective idea, like that it's yeah. like, this is how it is for everyone is like, right. kind of a, oh, yeah. like even just recognizing that of like, wait a minute, I'm an individual in this and my family is individual and separate from all of that. And so mm-hmm. coming back to trying to create your own experiences, like that awareness that, that nothing's perfect and just let it be what it is. And being creative, you came, you said something about like the nostalgia or the yeah, like looking totally. back at how things were. So we're bringing in flexibility again, being able to develop some flexibility that that's how things were and what could it be now. Right. And kind of building a bridge from what it was to what's possible, creating something new. I know like I've heard of some, one family, I can't remember, I think it was a friend who had told me that their family every year when they were little, there was some cereal, special cereal that they would have at Christmas time only. And so as adults, they would still do that cereal yeah. thing and they would buy like little kid cereal yeah. to, to be able to celebrate in this like, yeah, I don't see that in any Christmas movies or no. <laughs> coming out. So it's like, you know, finding your own thing and making it quirky and unique to you instead of thinking that it needs to be this collective. It needs to match the cookie cutter collective idea that's being presented to us. I bet that's really common. Like people wanting to recreate the way it was when they were a kid, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And and again, how can you find like the little ways that you can make that possible? I know for myself, I have a lot of alone time around Christmas. Yeah. And that I didn't when I was little. And so one of the things I do on my own is I love puzzles and I'll have, usually I'll have like some sitcom playing in the background and and there's always a puzzle though around Christmas time but it doesn't have to be exactly from your childhood either it can just be like what do I want right now what do do I want to spend my time doing in this time that's supposed to be about connection and gathering and comfort yeah how can I create that in other non-traditional ways yeah and it's it's true like you said like making it your own and creating new traditions Mm -hmm. and and really building it what you want to be that's one thing that like since I met my husband we've started well he might have done this for years before but you know when I joined the family we always go out for for Chinese food on Christmas Eve like mm-hmm. that's not something I did you mm-hmm. know before but I really like how that's become you know a thing so yes actually that reminds me one of my new traditions too is that changing environments so uh, something has changed in my family. So we, for Christmas dinner, we don't meet at my parents' house anymore. Yeah. Me and my, my parents come over to my house and we have Christmas tacos. And so and I it's like that. a very yeah. different meal and different environment that really helped to like make it our own and, right. and move things in a new direction. Yeah. While still re- respecting, you know, what was before and, mm-hmm. and remembering that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in my family, like we've obviously had to switch things up. My brother, you know, he got married and have had has kids now. So it doesn't look exactly like mm-hmm. it did, you know, 10 years ago mm-hmm. when we would we would always go over to my mom's. So like you said, it's just it's having that flexibility and kind of accepting where things are. 
Yeah. And part of that is being okay with being sad that it's not how it was. Like, yeah. just, like, so back to tolerating emotions right? and being, it makes sense to like have some grief over, I can't do that anymore. Yeah. That's not, it's not the same situation, but still have good memories about it and feel sad and mm-hmm. it, that's okay. <laughs> that's a hard one. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people kind of struggle with that. You know, we, we talk about how like no emotion is like good or bad, but it is uncomfortable to feel sad. Mm-hmm. We don't want to, but what you said, like that just, that seems really important to acknowledge that and be like, it's okay to feel this way. Yeah. And yeah. what does it mean? Like, what does that show you that you're sad about this? Yeah. Like that was probably really important to you. And it's right. not nice that you have this thing that was really important. Mm-hmm. Obviously a big part of the holidays is, uh, well, for a lot of people, not everyone, um, but is, is gift giving. And I think especially this year with, you know, in inflation and, you know, high cost of living, that pressure is going to be even stronger. What advice do you have for those who who feel overwhelmed by the financial demands? Yeah, well, I'm going to, I'll talk more generally first, just about the pressure of finding the right gift, because I think that can make the financial stress worse as if like, if I had more money, then I could find the perfect gift. Right. Yeah. And so lowering financial expectations, I think can help and framing it as as this is going to sound kind of cheesy, but like it's the thought that counts. And really it's the thought and the feeling behind the thought that counts. And I think this, this has potential though, for also creating anxiety, but to just let it be okay to get the wrong gift. Right. As long as it's something that you are comfortable with. And again, coming back to your values of like, how does the gift that you're giving fit into your values so that you can feel like it's in line with your values, even if the other person might not like it. Like that's kind of their reaction to the gift, right? That they're responsible for. You can't control that. You can't control that at all. And so knowing then how to make sure that you're not having anxiety in, like for somebody else's feelings like right like you can learn how to deal with somebody else's disappointment or mm-hmm. or your own and sometimes you're to be able to just let it be like I don't know how this person's going to feel about this gift and you won't know until they get it like not assuming that they're not going to like it if you had something better in mind the person you're giving it to doesn't know that you were thinking of this other thing but just couldn't afford it yeah and so th- they don't have that context right I think yeah. yeah people have talked about this to death But it is really true that it isn't gifts that cost the most are the best. That's so not true. Like the best gifts I've received have costed pennies almost. Mm -hmm. Like there's one year I was unemployed around the holidays. And I mean, obviously, you know, I want to get gifts for my family. I want to be able to to give presents. So I was like, well, what am I going to do? I can't like I, I just there's no way I can afford to get them something. I ended up making them like customized playlists. This was back in the day. So it was a burn CD. And I had so much fun with that, thinking of all like the different songs that would be on it that they'd enjoy. And and I think, I mean, my mom still has it to this day. I'm pretty sure it's in her car right now. So that costs next to nothing. So I Mm -hmm. think it really is, it's giving something that just has a lot of feeling behind it. Yeah. And for the people you are choosing to give gifts to find out what their love language is. Love languages are different ways of receiving and giving love. And one of the love languages is gifts, like in in a more material sense, but really you can gift any of the love languages. Yeah, totally true. So that means you might be trying to plan an experience for them, or maybe you can do something for them, or maybe, you know, like if if it's touch, there's massage or just, there's many different ideas in there. Mm -hmm. And 
and ways to implement those. And sometimes that can help financially then too, if you're like doing something for somebody that there's the gift of time. Again, we're coming back to that. Well, there's, there's not enough time to like make all these like really thoughtful gifts and things like that. Yeah. And also actually I haven't talked about this, like an attitude of good enough, your connection with the people you're giving gifts to might be more than about that gift. Right. And and trust and having it be perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of yeah, needing to, like you said, have that big fancy gift that might have cost a lot of money. Yeah. So, yeah, like we we touched on this, the the holiday season, it can bring on lots of feelings of loneliness if you don't have a family, if you can't be with your family or, or, you know, people you care about. If you've lost someone, what can we do to kind of deal with those feelings of loneliness? I wrote down like combat the feelings of loneliness, but since we're kind of talking about like sitting with and accepting feelings, like how, how do we do that? Kind of accept that feeling, but also, you know, create some meaningful connections around this time. Yeah. I'm glad you caught that. <laughs> yeah. It, to validate that. Yeah. It makes sense that I feel lonely that right now I want to be around people and I can't. And so yeah. the, of course there's going to be loneliness and sometimes the meaning that people make about that is the problem. If I'm lonely, that must mean that there's something wrong with me or nobody right. wants me. Yeah. Or, and so it's that meaning that's more of the problem than the actual feeling of loneliness. Yeah. The feeling of loneliness can be tolerated. Yeah. Those and it's totally normal. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The thoughts are what is really difficult. But some of the things like you can actually do, let people know that you're alone. Let people know so that there's a, an opportunity for connection. I understand that does create a vulnerability. And right. if, if there is nobody, yeah, like I've had that happen many times where it's like, yep, I'm alone and there's still nobody. Like, and, and that's okay. And so that's kind of like, again, building that tolerance for disappointment. It's like mm-hmm. that happens, but there's no chance of connection without letting people know that right. you're in and putting it, connection. Putting it out there because I think you know also with the holidays it, it brings about a giving spirit in people so mm-hmm. I, there's more of a chance that people will bring you in if you let them know yeah, yeah. or or be more direct and even ask like hey can I come over for dinner yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, and I don't think we do that enough like really straight out ask for what we need uh-huh yeah, and again, that you need to be able to tolerate being uncomfortable because yeah. that might be kind of an awkward thing to ask. <laughs> For but sure. It might be worth it. It might surprise you the answers you get and, and yeah. the welcome that you get. Try saying yes to things that you wouldn't typically say yes to. Like sometimes there are like kind of casual invites or suggestions. And a lot of the time, because we're so busy, we just say no, no, like, right. Or we're immediately anxious about that thing. And try just saying yes to things. If you are alone, then do something special for yourself. Like figure out alone traditions yeah like, it can be helpful to kind of pretend you have your inner child with you and what would, what would your what inner child want to do, do yeah. on this day and trying to again not perfectly recreate that but have some elements of of play and creativity from past times that, yeah. that you can't access exactly but it is possible to do something special for yourself yeah one of the things I like doing from time to time is, and I recommend this to my clients too, when there's something special to celebrate, if this is their kind of thing, to go to some craft store and kind of walk the aisles looking for something that catches your eye that yeah. you can just, that wouldn't be something normally that you'd buy. Like it's kind of like letting a five-year-old loose in a toy store and, nice. and giving them permission to just buy something and do that for yourself and just kind of be silly with it. Yeah. Yeah. It can be just unique and something odd to break things up and get you out of the typical patterns that come up, the very human patterns that come up when we're lonely. Right. Yeah. 
I mean, it happens in, in, you know, everyday life, but also around the holidays, like social media, it really portrays an idealized version. Like we just put out the best on social Mm -hmm. media. You're not seeing anyone's bad days. How do we kind of avoid comparing ourselves and our situation to kind of like this quote unquote perfect that we see on social media? Yeah, I'm going to come back to boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> Setting boundaries with social media, especially around that time of the year, like doing simple things like deciding to delete an app for a day or delete an app for a week and or even moving your apps on your phone to like different folders and things to kind of interrupt that. Kind right. Of Make it more, more difficult yeah, to more yeah. difficult to access so that you're more likely to find yourself doing something else. Right. Um, yeah. And, it's it's yeah. taken a long time to get there, but I am definitely notice like a worse feeling when I spend a lot of time on social media. Like there's definitely like a heightened feeling of anxiety. And to some extent, we have some control and influence about what we see on Instagram or what we see on our Facebook page. And so one of the other strategies is to go through and anything that you notice that kind of feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Why are we following those? Like, Like to kind of go through and prune and curate your own wall. Yeah. Setting time boundaries too about how much time Mm -hmm. you spend on those sites. There are some apps that you can use, I think, to limit the time so that if as a starting point, you kind of need something else. But And if you find that you're really struggling to set boundaries, counseling can be a really great support to to help get ideas of how to increase your motivation, how to make changes that you're not aware of that could even be made. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I am an introvert and, you know, I've been lucky to be able to avoid (laughs) too many holidays parties but you know that's not always the case there's that again we've talked about it like the feeling of obligation and and whether that's you know a partner's work holiday party or something bigger with your friends for people who you know are introverted that can you know create a lot of stress what do you recommend there like how can we kind of manage their energy but also feel part of social activities that kind of thing yeah um, make a plan and really know yourself Um, know what you're sensitive to if small talk is your like anxiety thing or or it's really draining, like have a few planned responses so that you're either, you have a few things that you can talk about or questions you can ask somebody else so that they're talking and you're just kind of nodding and, right. and you know, asking some encouraging questions rather than pressure on you to talk about things. Yeah, that puts yeah. you in a bit more of a position of like feeling like you're in control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plan breaks, have a plan of how do you take a break? Like you can go for a walk, you can go to the bathroom, you can go to your car, you can go grab something to eat. You can grab a book and go into like the, the crawl space and yeah. the basement. <laughs> uh, and then like, and kind of also having a survival kit, the idea of a survival kit. When I go out, I always have like a book, a pencil and my earplugs. And when I have that and gum, like sugar-free gum, that's also helpful for me. There, Even if I don't end up reading the book, it's comforting for me to know that there's a book there that I could read if I need to do something to like kind of distract or connect more back to myself. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes having things with us can be important for using, but also important kind of as a, yeah, an emergency kit. Yeah. I like that a lot. It goes back to that idea of kind of accepting our feelings. Like Mm -hmm. even still, I have trouble with that feeling of like, there must be something wrong with me. I shouldn't feel like this. Mm -hmm. Like I always, you know, feel guilty if I have that urge to like leave a party or something, but got to work on being like, it's okay. It's just who I am. Yeah. So like, you know, we've, we've got the, the winter holidays and then, then New Year's comes along and (laughs) even still like, or, or yeah, resolutions are very common, but they can sometimes lead to feelings of failure. You know, if we don't, if we don't stick to them or follow through. 
what what are your thoughts around that? You know, should we do them at all? How can we set realistic goals? Yeah, I think goals are good. Some of the things specific, like about goals is be specific, not general. Like when we say like, I just want to be happier. And then it's like, well, how are you going to know that you're happier? And what are you actually doing to work towards that? So, so um, be more specific. I want to read a book once a month. Mm-hmm. If that's something that you know, kind of adds to a general feeling of happiness, but be specific about your goals and breaking down your goals into smaller goals, into like manageable steps. I went on a hike the other day and kept breaking down the hike of looking all the way to the top was too much, especially because I kind of knew it was a false summit. I'm like, that is not even the top. Stop looking up there. And just looking slightly ahead and picking like a bush or a rock. (laughs) Like it's like, (laughs) that's where, that's where I'm headed next. And just continuing to do that with your goals. I knew I wanted to get to the actual summit. but I couldn't see it. Right. And there's no point focusing on that when it's like, oh, that tree right there. That's where I want to get next. And just continuing to do that with your goals, find the next tree and the next rock and just keep going. I do that with with my running. Mm -hmm. I'm still not at a point where I can like run straight for longer than like, I don't know, 15 minutes. But I think that's more of wanting a mental break. So yeah, I'll run for 10 and walk for one. So I'm not thinking of, you know, the 10 kilometers that I have to run. It's like, no, it's just 10 minutes and then I get a little break. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just breaking it down and and asking yourself, like, am I willing to just do this one next thing? Right. Like really making it a choice for yourself rather than that critical voice saying you should be doing this. You should be running an hour. (laughs) You should be like doing these unreasonable things. And I think that's another really important strategy for when you're setting goals and when you're trying to get out of the trap of perfectionism Mm -hmm. to be able to identify that critical voice and put a stop to it. Because the critic leads to anxiety which leads to this perfectionism to try to compensate for the anxiety. Yeah. And, and it, there's this triangle there that kind of happens really quickly and can kind of get all mixed up together and make things really hard. And the starting point is that inner critic. Like, yeah, I hear you inner critic and you're not needed right now. Yeah. yeah. You're not actually in line with my values, right? One thing that's been brought up in my own therapy mm-hmm. was kind of really approaching that, that critic in like a super kind way. I kind of like, oh, thank you for showing up. I know that you're, you know, here to protect me or whatever it is, or or like maybe not the inner critic, but like that anxiety. And yeah, like you said, you're here, but I don't need you right now. Like I got Mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you're trying to build new habits, another thing you can do is like add those habits to habits you already have. Choose brushing your teeth and then tack on the next little thing to brushing your teeth. Like for me, I've been working on balance for a while and strength in different ways. And so brushing my teeth, standing on one leg while I'm brushing my teeth, like it just be tack on something really nice. simple yeah. that's leading to something bigger. There is one more thing though that I'll say though, yeah. that I'll kind of come back to brushing your teeth as an example, mm-hmm. that when you are trying to set a goal, it's something that has to happen over a long period of time. And if we go back to like brushing your teeth, most people do brush their teeth every day. There are exceptions. <laughs> but but most people, if they yeah. if they did forget to brush their teeth, you know, before they went to bed or who knows, they're like rushing out the door and they forgot to brush their teeth before going to work. As soon as they realize they forgot, they're not going to be like, oh, what's the point? Like, I forgot to do it yesterday. Or yeah. Do, so I'm not so going to do failed. it again. Like, I failed, yeah. right? I know. And with brushing your teeth, it's like, no, like people immediately go and brush their teeth when they can. Like, yeah, like, yeah I forgot. And there's this. And to take that attitude with anything, it's like, oh, right. like, I missed going to the gym. Yeah. 
I was too tired today. And then lots of people go to like, what's the point? I didn't do it. This like right. all or nothing can be really detrimental. So like just the idea of like, it's a habit like brushing your teeth. So you just do it when you do remember and have time. Not yeah. This all or nothing. I, know, I, I see that a lot around New Year's. And like, I, you know, I have friends who will do like 30 day challenges or something. And it's like, oh, well, I missed day seven. Mm-hmm. So I did guess I didn't do it. And it's like, but, but you could still do, you know, yeah. eight, nine, ten yeah. or whatever. Yeah. 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 yeah would if it was their teeth. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's more about consistency than perfection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's been moments where you've talked about how, how counseling can kind of help with holiday stress and things like that. When would someone know, like when, when should, when should someone consider seeking help if they're having a hard time with the holidays? Anytime. I, I'm a huge fan of counseling. Yeah. Like, I, I like going to my own counseling. It's like for a very long time has been my favorite part of the week. Yeah. And so anytime you feel like I want to change something and I don't know how, anytime you're like, this isn't going well and you're overwhelmed or like you need to support, like it's okay to have support. And I think counseling is becoming more well known as it's not laying on a couch and talking about your past traumas and things like that. Sometimes those things happen in counseling, but that's not (laughs) what counseling is about um, most of the time. And so being able to recognize that if you want counseling, if you want support, if you're stuck, if you want change, even if you don't want change (laughs) because you're scared of that change, but you're struggling to to reach out. Right. And during the holiday season, I would encourage you, if you know that it's going to be hard, like reach out before reach out, you know, at the beginning of the season. But at the same time, if you didn't reach out during the season. (laughs) And again, if you didn't, then reach out after. Yeah. It's okay to reach out whenever, anytime. Yeah. There's, there's still this idea that counseling is for when things are going really bad, you know, but yeah, I I hope that we can keep pushing the message that it can help anytime. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you come in a little bit sooner, it can be what I call like booster sessions, just a little bit of maintenance rather than a full course of therapy, like 12 to 20 sessions or whatever is needed, you know, to get you back to a place. It doesn't have to get really bad to reach out. Yeah. The most important thing is like a desire for something different. Right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Amy. This was a great chat and I hope everyone has a fantastic holiday season. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Living Fully, a Calgary Counseling Center podcast. Thanks for tuning in. This episode was produced by Nick here, Louisa Campos, and by me, Catherine Hertig. A special thanks to Amy Ramler. We want to thank you for listening to Living Fully this year. We hope that you've enjoyed these conversations and that they've given you some ideas to improve your mental well-being. We're taking a short break for the holidays, but we'll be back with new episodes on January 23rd. To stay up to date on our latest episodes, be sure to subscribe. We're available in your favorite podcast app. Living Fully is a production of Calgary Counseling Center and recorded in Calgary on Treaty 7 territory. Living Fully podcast is not a substitute or alternative for professional care or treatment. If you're in Alberta and need help, please go to calgarycounseling.com or counselingalberta.com. For help across Canada and the United States, call 211. If you are outside of Canada and the U.S., seek help from your general medical practitioner. <laughs>